Today on Locked On Red Wings, Matthew Barzell got a contract extension, and does that affect what Dylan Larkin's number could be? Plus, lines came out from Tuesday's practice, and you don't want to read too much into it, but Pew Suter's placement in it is definitely noteworthy. Locked on Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for WWJ News Radio 950. The podcast is called The Daily J. Scotty is the host of Locked On Tigers, who have just three games remaining, almost there. And then uh, also a freelance journalist for the Detroit News, two, but a doubleheader today. Really interesting. Well, double, and, in, yeah. and in the year high. Yes. Yeah. Yesterday, as everyone's listening to this, but yeah, I got. I got three games left, and then I'm like really excited for the offseason for the Tigers. I think they're going to do a lot. They have um, to. They can't go through another rebuild, man. Yeah, I think they're going to do a ton. I think there's going to be a lot of overhaul and a lot of like player personnel front office movement. But we got we got a couple of games left. We got a well. I mean, they've been winning some ball games lately too. We got to finish uh, finish strong here, hopefully. So, yeah, and today's episode is going to be mostly news and notes. Uh, there was a Tuesday practice. Some lines came out. It was really interesting. Lalone spoke to the media. And then also uh, Matthew Barzell of the New York Islanders got a nice contract extension. We'll talk whether or not be, that moves the needle on Dylan Larkin. You know, those two players are somewhat comparables. Their point totals are pretty similar through the uh, uh, same, almost about the same amount of seasons that they played. Different, slightly different types of players. In the way that they play is Barzell's more of a playmaker while Larkin's more of a goal scorer. Too, yeah. But it is interesting to see as, as more players get contract extensions, Larkin's looming, and that number could shift depending on what contracts get signed before he inks his deal. So we'll talk about that in the second half. And then some uh, news on the PTO front. Not the Red Wings, but other teams that have former Red Wings on them. We'll cover that in the later half of the episode. But we'll leave things off. We'll talk about... Scotty, the, the line's out of practice today. It, it was a, it's a crowded Red Wings camp um, still. There's still a lot of cuts to be made. So the Red Wings uh, ran five forward lines and four defensive pairings in this matchup or in this practice. And Max Boltman of The Athletic tweeted it out. We love Max. And these aren't necessarily right wing, left wing. He's just listing the combinations. So don't think that these guys who are playing, if I'm reading it from left to right, as you hear it, that's not left wing, center, right wing. That's just the combination. And he has it listed as Bertuzzi, Larkin, Raymond. No duh. That's your top line. You got Peron, Kopp, Vrana, the presumed second line. Here's where it gets interesting on the forward front. He Not has Zadina. Well, thank you, Scotty. This is going to make a very interesting. No, I mean, it is, no, but actually, when I say interesting, I mean, it is actually very interesting. Gage's uh, interest. It, it, it does. It is, it is gauge interest, uh, gauging my interest. Um, Zadina, Valeno, Kubalik. Ernie Rasmussen, Soderblom, and Smith, Suter, and Berggren. Now, he's listing the combinations. He's not necessarily listing what is, you know, line three, line four, line five. But if you were to take a guess between Zadina, Valeno, Kubalik, Ernie Rasmussen, and Soderblom, and Smith, Suter, and Berggren, what would you say are lines three, four, and then your excess line five? And this is just speculation on our part. 
<laughs> I can only pick those three. <laughs> I mean, like, I, 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 I think that I. To be honest, I think that the third line is probably actually going to be like none of those. But I mean, if if I have to pick, you have one, to pick. I mean, I, I guess then I'm going Zadina, Valeno, Kubalik. If I have I would, to pick one of those line as a third line, that that's the one I would go is at, at three. Uh, then I guess I'd go. Goodness, that fourth line's tough between those two. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sold on. If I had to pick whatever my the the line I would give the most minutes out of those three, I would give Zadina, Valeno, and Kubalik the most. Um, I guess I'd go. I don't know. I don't know. That the other one's really tough. That, that's a lot of kind of back and forth. I mean, yeah. I, I guess the safer play would probably be Ernie Rasmussen Soderblom, just because like you know what you're getting with Adam Ernie. Rasmussen has had, we saw in the second half of last year a little bit, and so far this year, kind of what he provides as a low line center, and then Soderblom, I guess, is more of a wild card. But that other line of of Man, I don't know. There's been a lot of people talking some smack on Pew Suter's name, by the way. That's like been a, yeah. been a, in this fan base kind of, well, and you know, not well, super hold loudly. On. Before you get but... into that, that brings me to my question because it kind of plays into exactly what you're getting yeah. into. Based on these line combinations, is Pew Suter's role on this team in danger? No. No. Okay. No, I, I, I like, no, I, I would not read into it at all. I would read, I, I would, what I would take out of this is they want to play Suter with as many different people as possible so that the revolving door of the wings that are going to be played in those bottom six so that he can get some chemistry and get some experience playing with all of those bottom six wingers. I don't think this is a, oh my goodness, Pew Suter is like not going to make the team. Or like Pew Suter is not going to be you know, a, a third or fourth line center for this team when the season starts. Like I, I feel pretty strongly that he still will be. I think they're just trying to mix and match who he's playing with so that when the time comes for that carousel that we've been talking about for a while of maybe not as much assuming health, maybe not as much in, on the third line, but especially that fourth line, um, you're going to see a lot of kind of wingers coming in and out of that situation. I think they really just want to give Suter some, playing time and some experience with everybody. I think it's more of that than, than anything else. It's a yeah. preseason practice dog. Like, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't think this is like, Oh my goodness. He's, you know, whatever the fifth line in a preseason practice on Tuesday, October 4th, like Pew Suter is not going to make the team or Pew Suter is going to be a healthy scratch this year. I mean, I think what's more interesting than Pew Suter being on the fifth line is the fact that they continue to practice Valeno and Rasmussen at center. I mean, that continues to be something that they're like, they seem adamant that they want those two guys to be center. And obviously, Pew Suter coming into the final year of his contract, I think will inevitably be the, be the odd man out. I think at least as of right now, coming into the season, this will be his last year in the winged wheel. I don't see him getting an extension. So what yeah. do you do with a guy that you don't see as part of your future? I, you know, that's that's where my problem, my, my thing is, is not that Pew Suter and, and Malone spoke about Pew Suter during uh, the post-practice press conference, media availability. And because they asked him about Pew Suter and he said, like, yeah, I talked to Pew Suter and I think, you know, his role could be anywhere in the lineup. Like he can compliment players on 
the, you know, on the top six and the bottom six with the way he plays on the penalty kill, especially, but he also mentioned like center and wing. And when he said wing, I was like, that perked my ears. I mean, we've never really considered Pusutera as a winger. We know he kind of struggles in the top six as a center. He's an effective bottom six center. He's on a little on the under smaller size um, and weight and in height, but like he's, he can be effective. So the question is like, do you think that if you're adamant about Rasmussen and Valeno being center, that Suter could be a winger? We haven't really considered it because he did play center with the Chicago Blackhawks as well. In fact, he played big minutes at center the year that Jonathan Taze was injured. So it, it raises that question. But then, of course, you have, you know, Soderblom and Bergen are definitely trying to make a case to make the team. I think Bergen's very close to being like, everyday NHL ready. Soderblom is a little bit more of a wild card. He's been playing really well and they've been adamant about giving him minutes in the top six in the preseason. So, I mean, those guys are hot on the heels of a lot of NHLers on this roster, but like, it's going to be really interesting as to where Valeno, Rasmussen and Suter fall because cop was back in this practice. That's something we haven't really mentioned. We, we kind of glossed over cop was practicing on the second line and that Derek Lalonde did speak on cops. Didn't wear no contact either. He was yeah. Like so like he'll be available soon. And Lalonde spoke on that and I'll get to that in the second segment, but you know that those three centers, I mean, I think I know Valeno is waiver eligible or waiver exempt rather. So he could be sent down, but honestly with the way he's playing in preseason, I, I don't care. I don't want him sent down just because he's available to be sent down. I think he's outplaying some of his his um, co- colleagues, coworkers, teammates. That's the word. That's the word for sports. Teammates. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No. I I I think that it is more of leaning towards what an audition is than it is like, oh, this is going to happen. Like I, I think when I look at this, I go, okay, this this team wants. Because it's a good problem to have as many oh, centers great. as possible. Like that is that is what you want. You want as many of your forwards as possible to be able to play center, especially when looking at the last two years. Like center depth has been a massive problem. So of all teams, like this is one that is desperately trying to develop homegrown talent at the center position. And so I think that they are trying to do that very, I don't want to say desperately, but like very apparently. And so I, I think it's just more of that. They want to give as much playing time and as much situationalness. That's yeah. not a word. Situations. That, yeah, they, they want to put them in as many situations as possible where they can succeed as centers. And so I, I think it's it's more of that. And and again, it's it's, you know, an off day practice in the preseason. Like, I think it's just trying to get a really solid look like we know what pew suitor is pew suitor is not surprising anyone pew suitor is not going to randomly become something he's not and i I, and in the same breath i don't think he's going to completely like fall off the table and crash and burn either like i think we're we have a decent gauge and and a decent range of what pew suitor is going to be for the team this year whereas the younger guys especially the younger guys that you think have a possibility of playing center you want to give them a chance to prove if they can play center or not. So I, I, I really think that that's, that's all it is. I don't, I don't think it's like, Oh, well look, we're losing faith and no, like we just want to get some looks at some dudes. Yeah, that's fair. Um, we really got to go to an ad break here. Um, we got to still talk about the defensive line pairings. So we didn't even talk about that. There were four defensive pairings, but first I got to talk to you guys about 
BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline where the game starts segment two lockdown red wings podcast the defensive pairings at practice were pretty much what you'd expect out of the first three um there's not as deep of a conversation to be had here it was Sherat, cider mata chronic edmondson lindstrom Usterle, and comfer and i guess really the conversation is on that bottom pair because we talked yesterday about whether or not lindstrom could even make the team with because he's not really performing all that well in preseason by ri test or even by, you know, shooting metrics either. Uh, he was de- dead worse on a team on a game where the Red Wings dominated against the Pittsburgh Penguins, lost, but dominated. Um, and th- so you have Osterle and Kampfer, and Osterle has been, you know, Osterle, I've been saying Osterle, Osterle has been a seventh defenseman pretty much his entire career, but is, you know, can fill that role as an NHL defenseman. You got Stephen Kampfer, who has been actually playing decently in preseason. So you got to wonder, you know, is that could that be your bottom pairing? And I, 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 as I say that, I'm leaning towards no, which makes me think that with Mark, the, the more and more I talk about it, the more and more I'm kind of like, I didn't see it might just make the NHL because of a lack of competition rather than like a lot of competition. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I'm uh, well, that's kind of what we were talking about over the last couple of days and, and yesterday, I think, you know, it, it's, it's the forward competition is more of like comparing your, if you were to go into the mind of one of the forwards that was a fringe roster spot, it would be like, okay, I know that that it is directly caused by my play. I need to outplay other people. Like I, I, we we have a decent amount of depth now for the first time. Well, we have more depth than we've had uh, on this team in a while. I'll put it that way. And th- there are some dudes that probably d- would make NHL rosters on other teams that are not going to make this NHL roster straight out of camp. Not a ton, and I'm not saying that, you know, we're going to be sending out all-star talent, but, like, for the first time in a while, there's dudes you look at and you're like, hey, like, you know, I would have liked to have seen him get a shot or whatnot. Defensively, it, it's really just everybody that's a fringe candidate compared to Simon Evanson. Like, that's it. There, yeah. there's, no, there's no, you know, competition between, like uh, – Health, dudes that are going to get healthied and like, oh, like who's going to be the depth? It's like, no, it's like, is Edvinson ready? And like all the other decisions are kind of based off of what happens with Edvinson. So like, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think that it's it's a, a lot different of not necessarily a mindset because like you're trying to play your hardest, you're a professional athlete, whatever. But um, I think it's a lot more of a, a just kind of based around one person, to be honest yeah. with you. Well, because if I'm being honest too – I don't think Edvinson is 100% ready yet. He doesn't, you know, Moritz Sider and Lucas Raymond came into preseason last year and they looked like they were just ready. Edvinson still shows moments where he's not quite 100% adjusted yet. And why would he be? He's never played on North American ice before. It's smaller. But when you compare him to other guys like Osterle and Comfer, who are the other healthy defensemen right now, I think that he still is, even, even with gaffes here and there, I still think he is outperforming those guys. Yeah, so I think that we're not rebuilding anymore. This yeah. is not like, oh, we, we need to do everything to 
help. Like, obviously you don't want to stunt development in players, but like, Oh, we need to do everything that that's just best for the young guys. And we're just going to bring up, you know, the, the stopgap players and the plug, plug a hole players. Like, no, this is now at the point where the best player for every position in every line and pairing should make the NHL roster. So ready or not, here he if, comes. If he, right, okay, ready or not, like if he's, you know what I mean? Like if he's the best player, the best defenseman left when you get to whatever, the, the third pairing, then that's where the well, conversation ends. And like, and he'll learn where, fast. Right. And, and like, that's what, that's what's gonna, that's what's gonna happen. And that's who they're gonna pick. Like, there, there's no more of this, oh, we have to, you know, we're, we're gonna go around. Uh, like rookie contracts and like makes somebody eligible longer or or whatever. No more entry level slides. Call somebody up and and all this stuff. It, it's just like we're trying to win now. So it's who is the best player there. So even if he's not, you know, a hundred percent NHL ready. Well, if he's too good for Grand Rapids and he's the best player left when you've already named five defensemen on the team, then like there you go. He's going to be an NHL player on opening night. Yeah, I mean that's that's just the long and short of it. I mean, if Mark Pissick was healthy, if Jake Wallman was healthy, it might be a different story. He might have more competition and start the season in Grand Rapids. You could have said the same thing about Raymond last year. If Verona oh, yeah. was healthy, does Raymond make the roster out of camp? It's a much different conversation. Yeah. So here we are. That's that's really the conversation on those practice lines. And again, like you were saying, Scotty, in segment one, they're just practice lines. They they're very much just trying things out and seeing what works. But when it comes to that third offensive line of Valeno, Zadina, and Kubalik, I really like that. I thought Kubelik and Zadina have great chemistry and Valeno's um, a very good passing center. So I think that with those two shooters, Kubelik especially, that could work really well as an effective third line. But we got to move on because these episodes are only so long and we're already halfway through it. Um, Lalone spoke after the practice media availability. Uh, The first thing I want to get to is Andrew Kopp. They asked him about Andrew Kopp because as you noted in segment one, he was not wearing a non-contact non-contact jersey he was wearing a normal jersey and that he was on the center line a second centering the second line and when asked about andrew cop they said you know we're, we're going to take it day by day our goal has always been opening night Friday next friday on the 14th but it could come sooner than that but don't like expect it he says probably not but he could play friday but probably not. Like, you know what he was doing? That kind of like sitting on the fence. So if he's ready Friday, we'll play him. And it is possible, but probably not. So it's like, you kind of giving us two answers there, but I get it. Cause you don't want to give us expectations. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it, it looks like if this is his only injury of the season, he's going to play like eight, 79, 80 games. Like it, yeah. it doesn't look like it's going to be a, a big thing. He might not be ready opening night. And that's pretty much the extent of worry uh, that we've heard out of anybody within the organization. So it yeah, sounds like he's really close, a, though. Yeah. Well, and he's ar- like, I mean, he's already non-contact. Like he, he's like what a, a week behind, a week and a half behind everybody else. Like that's really all he's at right now. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, he also mentioned they also asked him about Philip Zadina because they noted that on the six on five situation when they pulled the goalie last night, Philip Zadina was out there and they asked him like the mentality and goes whatever player gives us the best chance to win. <laughs> it's basically what he said. Because they, they asked him, or he said, like, is it based on hot hand or just based on, like, who's got the most talent? And he gave an answer that basically said it's both. You know, 
players that give you the best chance to win sometimes are the players with that best, the hot hand. Like they gave Adam Ernie opportunities on the power play after he had a two goal night in the preseason. So Zadina as the extra man, Zadina has been playing really well in the preseason. They wanted to see if as an extra man, he could produce something. So I thought that was interesting as well, or not interesting, but I thought that was of note as well that Philip Zadina is getting looks at lots of different opportunities as they think he is capable of more. I hate you're right. Interesting isn't is a crutch word. It doesn't mean anything. It forced me to extrapolate more on that. That point. Well, that's good. That's what we want. It is what we want. Well, I don't know. Some listeners probably not, but you at least pretend that you do. (laughs) No, (laughs) certainly not. Uh, They also asked him about process versus outcome. Uh, He said that he was. Last night was a game where the team was really dejected after the loss. And when he came back in the locker room, he was taken aback by how dejected they were after a preseason game. And he said it, he's like, let's face it. Preseason games don't mean a whole lot. But when he came in in the locker room and they were dejected almost as often, almost as if they had lost a playoff game, he was motivated by the fact that the team took a preseason game exhibition game that seriously. And that that is shows just how driven and motivated that that team is. And I absolutely love that because we I saw it on the ice. We noted it in yesterday's episode, how hard that team fought. It got chippy. For, yeah. For a preseason game. It got chippy, that man. And I know it's like crazy. it's Chicago too, but like, it, you know, it got chippy, man. Yeah. But it being Chicago doesn't mean anything to these players. Not I to mean, the it, players. No, yeah. but like, you know, it's not like it was a empty crowd, like in 2020, like, yeah, they don't like, like us. Yeah, right. They definitely don't. Chicago fans. We we don't like each other. The fan bases don't like each other, but the teams that haven't played right, that's the my division point. in like it's just 10 like, years. you know, I, I think games tend to get a little more chippy and more aggressive when the crowd's into it. And I'm not saying it was a playoff atmosphere or anything, but no, I even besides that, like there were I mean, there were some hits that people didn't like. There was I mean, it was certainly a, a little bit of a chippier game than you're used to in the preseason, which is like awesome. I, I love, you know, don't nobody get hurt, please, full of everything, but like I, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. And so he also said that, you know, this is why he focuses on process rather than outcome. He says most nights they win that game. He says more times than not, they're going to win that game. He says there was a lot to like in that game with the process. I mean, they outchanced the Pittsburgh Penguins and by all means outplayed the Pittsburgh Penguins in that game. But they just came up short, which is why he focuses on the process. He says, if we keep doing those things and we keep doing those things right, eventually you're going to score on the breakaways. You know, you're going to score on the odd man rushes. So he's he described himself as a guy who focuses on process rather than outcome, but also as an optimist, which I thought was interesting. One, first of all, Lalonde is very open, which is a really nice change of pace because we both are so used to Jeff Blaschel, who's very like like Eisenman kept things close to the chest, never really said much, but Lalone is pretty much like, yeah, I'm an optimist. There were times in Tampa Bay where I had to have, you know, John Cooper or the other assistant coaches, you know, splash water on my face and be like, well, there were definitely things they had to work on because he describes himself as an optimist. He would always focus on the positives only, not so much the negatives. So I think it was interesting, the dynamic that's going to happen where you have a head coach come in here who's always focusing on the positives. And that, you know what, when he says that, it kind of comes across in his interviews, you know? He's always thinking about, like, how excited he is to be a head coach and what there is to look forward to with the Red Wings, which, I mean, partly is because, you know, of course you're going to say those things when you're first-time head coach. But he definitely, I could see him definitely being as an optimist. I can see that as being a good thing. Now, I think optimism when a team's playing really poorly won't resonate with the team because the team can recognize the team's playing poorly. But I think that does a lot to keep morale and spirits high. 
For sure. I, I mean, like the, this, we've we heard when he got hired, we heard how much of a player's coach he was, and how much like everybody that that had ever played for him, or well, that commented on it, that you know how how much they liked him and how much they they loved his mindset toward the game and everything. Yeah, for sure. I, I think the thing that keeps getting brought up. They've, they've talked to Larkin about it, right? There's that clip on Bally where, like, they're interviewing Larkin about Lalonde and, like, they talked about Raymond now or they talked to Raymond about it now. And, like, the thing that keeps coming up is it's – and Larkin said it a lot. And he was like, yeah, it's just, like, simple. And it's like he, – yeah. he's, like, not simple in, like, a bad way. Like, not – oh, it's, it's too simplistic or whatever. Like, it's creative. But it is, like – when you talk to Lalone, it just seems like with his Adidas comment, he was like, yeah, like you're just going to go with the player that gives us the best chance. I don't know. <laughs> like it's not some crazy rocket science thing. I, I just, I, I thought Zadina gave us the best chance to win. So like, that's, that's the direction I went. And like, that's what, um, you know, when it comes to pushing pace and zone entry and stuff, that's what, you know, Larkin was like, yeah, it's just, pretty straightforward stuff and it works well for us and i thought you know it's it's gonna be fun this year and like that's the the in a positive connotation like that's that's you know simple can be a good thing yeah and actually um you mentioned zone entries and retrievals there and that is something that Lalone spoke about again as he's like as a coach like my philosophy is all on zone entries and retrievals he's like if you can enter the zone well and retrieve well then like the zone presence and setting up in the zone is going to come after that and i just love that because that's something we didn't see well, with yeah. under blashel zone given entries the last and four years of zone entry i'm not i don't even know if i can say we yeah. had zone entry <laughs> like it basically wasn't a, a, a thing on the team yeah no i think that that's uh that's really refreshing to hear at least well, we're we'll definitely see how it works in the regular season but we're definitely in a honeymoon phase with Derek Lalonde right now. It feels like everything he says just makes sense. And of course, yeah. you know, we've gone that through that with other people, but we'll see when the regular season starts, how well they, the team can apply this, this, you know, structure he brings to the team. But you know, it's already, we're already almost done with the episode. We haven't even talked about the Dylan Larkin contract thing. So we're going to have to be quick about this, but uh, Matthew Barzell of the Newark Islanders signed a shiny new contract with the, um, with the Islanders and it's nine, Eight years, 9.150 every single year. It's the same number every single year, 9.15. Now, Matthew Barzell has 311 points in 362 games played. 220 of those are assists. Only 91 are goals. Now, Dylan Larkin, by comparison, has 504 games played. So about 140 more games played, 358 points. So about uh, 40 seven more points in his career. So Matthew Barzell is outpacing Dylan Larkin in points per game, but Dylan Larkin is more of a goal scorer than an, uh, a, you know, a playmaker. In fact, he has about 50 more goals than Matthew Barzell does. So it's a little bit different in terms of how they produce their points, but their point production is about the same. Although Barzell does have the edge in point per game. So I think there's a very yeah. good comparison here in terms of point production and term. And we predicted when we were talking about these extensions a couple weeks ago that Larkin could get somewhere between eight and eight point five and nine point five. Well, if Barzell's getting more points or about the same amount of production in less games as Larkin, I think Larkin's contract probably is still going to look around that range that we predicted eight and a half, nine and a half, around eight years. Yeah, I don't think this really changes 
my opinion too terribly much on what I expect Larkin to get contract wise. I I think when you are comparing those two as well, like it's hard. They've had very different like career arcs and like very mm-hmm. different situations and and ve- like you know injury stuff and whatnot. Like there's there's very I don't know. I, I don't think just doing straight up like how many points and how many games really does it justice. Like Larkin's when he first entered the league is was a, a different team in a different situation, and like twenty eighteen to twenty twenty was like some something that not very many team like players in the league have ever had to be in that situation. Like I don't know. Like there, there it's just uh, uh, his career arc. I think is is very unique and a lot different than he's played on a better Islanders team than Larkin has played on a Red Wings team. Right. And, and I mean, and just comparing like last season, you know, like Larkin just turned 25, like like last year and just looking at his, his, the great season that he had last year and, you know, before the injury, what he was doing and whatnot. I don't know. I I think that it's, it's just different situations. So I think it's hard to compare more so than just like, Oh, look how many points and how many games, but in the same breath, I, I really, like I said, I don't really expect too much to, or I don't expect my opinion on how much Larkin's going to get paid to change it all because of this. And and like every contract that happens, period, is like something to look at and be like, oh, like you know, with this looming, like let's take this into account. But I don't think I don't think this one really moves the needle any direction for me. I still think it's going to be somewhere between eight and a half to nine and a half AAV. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think this more or less just solidifies that that's probably the range that Larkin's going to get. Now, Larkin's a goal scorer. Barzell's more of a playmaker. Like, we've we've established that, and we know that, but just pure point production-wise, and I know you said it's hard to compare those two because of the different teams that they play on, but, I mean, if you had to come down to it and compare, I think that, you know, Larkin's probably going to get something around the same number. Somebody added us on Twitter and said Larkin's going to get around 10 because of this contract, and I, I don't think that's I don't think that's safe to say at all. If anything, Barzell's in one last year has been a more consistent player points wise where, where Larkin has been a little bit more sporadic with his point production. But again, Larkin came into a team that was bottoming well, out, bottom out. And then right, that's up my swing. point is like well, the, the Islanders have been upwards. Of, yeah. The situation. Well, even, I mean, exception to last year, they were bad last year. Right. For sure. Even, I, I mean, the team, the like front office changes, like coaching changes, line changes. I mean, like who, like, how how old he was the injuries that happened like literally everything like there's he's had a he's had a a heck of a career already just in the in the terminology of like how much stuff has already been kind of piled into this this seven years so the 2018 stanley cup was the washington capitals and that was barry trotz's and then after so 18 19 season was the first year with the islanders for barry trotz um Barzell in his rookie season was actually his best season points wise. He had 85 points in 82 games over a point per game, 22 goals, 63 assists. He's never eclipsed 30 goals in his career. Not that that matters. That's not the end all be all. Um, but his point production has never been the same after that. Barry Trotz also preaches a, a lot more of a defensive game. He's a defensive sure. mindset head coach in my, in my opinion. And so, you know, his point totals came a bit down lower to 62, 60, 45, 59, but they also made the playoffs for three straight years after Barry Trotz came in and started preaching this more defensive minded style. Um, So he's been consistently a 50 or 60 point 
produ- production player his entire career with the exception of his rookie year where he got 85 points. It's very consistent. I the, I, I dig- like- I'm digressing at this point. No, no, no. I, I just like the, the final, the biggest point that I, I really want, the, the way I want to iterate this is like, I want to see Dylan Larkin being the best player on a good Red Wings team. Like that has not happened yet. <laughs> like that has not, like he's been the best player on the team for a lot of these years, right? Especially like the bottoming and out years and everything. But like, I, I want to see Dylan Larkin be the one C for a full healthy year on a Red Wings team that is actually like somewhat decent. Yeah. And that has not happened yet in his entire career. So. Completely agree. Um, one final thing of note, and this is, doesn't really even have to be a conversation, but the Vancouver Canucks have released Danny DeKaiser from his professional tryout. And, uh, I, I have to imagine that this is probably it for his NHL career. He might get an AHL contract if he, if he chooses to pursue further professional, but I mean, and this isn't a shot at Danny DeKaiser whatsoever. I love Danny in his tenure here, but I mean, I, you got to imagine it's probably, it's probably it for him. Yeah. Yeah, I I would imagine so. Um, I don't know. It depends on how badly he wants to play. I mean, if he can find an opportunity not in the NHL, like some dudes do that, right? Yeah. We, we've seen a lot of dudes retire from the NHL or not get contracts in the NHL and then go play elsewhere or whatever. And it's a little different because... He's got a family and stuff. Right, yeah. Like he's kind of like home-based here now at this point. So we'll see. But yeah, if, if it is, you know, if he does like retire, we'll do a whole segment on on that i'm sure we'll break that down a lot more we're gonna have to jump the gun on that but uh yeah definitely looking like it either way good luck danny de kaiser whatever comes yep, your sure. way next man um yep. any final thoughts dude i don't think so man we ball i'm about to watch like seven straight hours of baseball so i got some coffee i literally bought coffee if this was the braves or the mets or the giants i'd say have fun but to this, I'll say hey, this game survive. means something to the Mariners, and that's at least gives me a little bit of something to like keep yeah. an eye on. This is like they're fighting for playoff seating and like who they play in the first round and everything. So, all right, bud. I will, we'll catch you guys later. Same time, same place. It's your team every day, every day, but online. <laughs>